Welcome to Keep the Game Beautiful podcast. Each week, I highlight incredible people who are doing amazing things in soccer, the beautiful game. I'm Anna Turi, your host. Thank you for listening. Today, I talked to Nick Rizzle. We talk about some really cool thing about the soccer community, that everyone's so close but so far away. It's like we all know each other, but some of us have never met face-to-face, which I think is pretty cool. We talk about how convention is pretty great because then we get to meet everyone face-to-face. And we also talk about how excited I am to be there at convention this year at Podcast Row. I encourage you to go check out my booth and also Sean and Nick's soccer chat booth. Enjoy today's episode. Today I'm talking to Nick Rizzo. Nick is the head women's coach at Monmouth in Western Illinois. He is also the co-host of Soccer Chat with Sean Soderling. I met Nick and Sean both at the United Soccer Coaches Convention last year. I also regularly enjoy listening to their podcasts and participating in their weekly Twitter chats. These two guys are fun to be around and I encourage you to get to know them. Nick played collegiately at Loras College in Iowa. This past year, his fourth at Monmouth, he led the team to a conference championship and an NCAA tournament appearance. He holds a bachelor's in mathematics and MBA and is recently engaged. No, that's perfect. You got you got it covered. You do you do better research than me and Sean do on any of our guests, so I, I appreciate it. But yeah, so yeah, grew up originally in Chicagoland area, um, and then started playing club when I was pretty young out there. I played a lot of sports though. I I think pretty similar to you. I kind of dipped my hand in about anything I could get that my parents would let me do and keep driving me to. So I I played a lot of sports growing up, but ultimately decided that soccer was my favorite, and so that's when. I decided that's where I wanted to do at the college level. I went and played at Loris, like you said. And then once I got to Loris, when I hit my sophomore year, I was asked to be an assistant high school varsity coach at one of the local high schools in the town that I went to. And so I started coaching high school soccer when I was about 19 years old. And so ironically, it's actually the school that my fiance now went to. And we didn't know each other back then, but I I was able to coach at her school for a little bit. And then I went to Aurora University, got my master's and coached there for two years. Then I went up to St. Mary's University for three years as an assistant for both the men and women up there. And then I got down to Monmouth and that was my first head coaching job. So really, it was really nice of them to take a chance on someone who hadn't been a college head coach before and give me a shot. And I've been there for the last four years now almost. It'll be four years, January 4th, so in a few weeks. So in this podcast, Keep the Game Beautiful, I start with the same few questions. So first, what does a beautiful game mean to you? Oh God, I mean, it's it's my life. You know, it's one of those things that it's a part of everything I do every single day. I tell, I get asked all the time, like, how, how's work going? And I, I'm sure every coach says this. It doesn't feel like work most of the time. I I get to go out and I get to do a sport for a living, which is absolutely crazy to me that if you would have told me 10, 12 years ago that that was going to be my life, I don't know if I would have believed you. So the beautiful game to me is just, again, it's, it's one of those things that I get to experience and live every single day through my life and watch people grow and become tr- who they truly are and become real adults by the time that I'm done with them. And that's, that's a pretty cool part of it for me. What are actions or things you do to keep the game beautiful? Yeah, I think, I mean, and it's the same things that you're doing right now. I think to spread the game as much as possible to not only talk to other coaches, but to 
go be a part of different environments, go to go work camps, go to different countries, be involved in groups that donate gear and donate your time to um, people who might not get as many opportunities as all of us. And so how, how I spread the game is really just try to get as much of the game out there as I possibly can, just working with all the amazing people that I've gotten to meet through this game and try to really just keep it growing in the way that it, it makes it special around the world and really makes it the number one sport in the world. It's, uh, I mean, it, I think that's kind of our responsibility as coaches, as players, as people, and you're already doing it by talking about it and, and being as involved as you are already, refereeing, playing, doing all those things, coaching. I think that's the best way you can give back and continue to expand it is just be as involved with it as possible and allow other people to see and share the love of it that we all have. How do you encourage others to keep the game beautiful? Yeah, the same thing. I think it's it's such a hard thing to for people to see how much of an impact that they can have on others people other people's lives when they're when they're just a player or they're, when they're just growing up because they you think and you look internally and it's difficult to see like oh man how could I change this for someone how could I make this better for someone and so I think for us it's just getting our like players and the people that I work with just as involved as possible with helping those who, again, don't get the chances that all of us get and we're just fortunate enough to have for where we grew up or who we were able to meet growing up. And so just talking to our players about how lucky we are and how fortunate we are and how it's our responsibility to, to give as much back to the game as it's given to us over these past years. I know you said you played a lot of sports growing up. What was a positive thing about doing that? Yeah, I think for me, I always joke about it. And the number one most positive thing is I'm 30 years old and I can go pretty much play any pickup sport and not be the worst player on the field, which is, which is always nice. But um, for a more serious answer, it was nice for me because I never, and not that people that specialize very early always do this, but I never got sick of any of the sports that I did. You know, I, even though I played soccer year round because I obviously played club and things like that in high school, but I never got sick of the game. I really enjoyed it. And the other thing that I think, and again, I'm, I'm also really lucky. I've never had an injury. Like I think that because I played basketball, football, baseball, volleyball, track and field, I trained so many of my different muscles around my body that like, I, I've never had a real injury. I've never had a ligament injury and I'm very, very lucky. I, but I, I credit, I think a lot of that too. I've been so active and have really strong hips. I have like, I've learned how to change direction in multiple sports and you're required to have a different type of strength for each sport. So I, I think I, I never got burnt out and I think I was able to develop my body in a way which really made it difficult for me to get injured ultimately. I think I, I was able to stay really healthy just because I was never, again, I never specialized in one sport. How did you choose to specialize in soccer? It's actually a funny story. I almost did it. Um, I was going into high school, and I don't know about you, but like, what what is like the most popular sport at your high school? Mm, probably football, right? Now. Yep, and this, that's what it was for us around us. And so, I played football all through junior high. And so, when I got to high school, I'd also played soccer. But to be honest, I I wasn't that. I didn't have that much foresight to think that I would want to be a college soccer player. I wasn't one of those kids who grew up knowing that was even a possibility. And so when I got to high school, I, I almost went out for football, but I got asked, uh, my mom actually called the high school coach because one of my club teammates 
had played with, uh, was playing with the high school team in like a summer league. And he was going to be a freshman at the school I ended up going to. And so my mom called the coach and was like, Hey, Nick plays with Jeff. Is this, is it okay? And keep in mind, Jeff's a phenomenal player. Like and I was a good player, but Jeff was like, he ended up going to Michigan state, like playing there, starting there three of his years. So I was not on Jeff's level, but the coach was like, pretty much said like, yeah, you can bring him out, but like, we'll probably decide if like he's able to keep coming back. And pretty much it was like my tryout to go play. And I had a really good game when I went and the coach found my mom afterwards. and was like, if he comes and he'll play, he plays, he'll be on varsity. And so instead of playing football, I played soccer pretty much because my mom called the coach and was like, can he try out with the varsity team in a summer league? And I did well enough. And that ultimately I wanted to be on a varsity sport as early as possible. So that's why I picked soccer over football. And I was just, I mean, again, I'm short. I'm like five, nine. So basketball wasn't really going to be a long-term thing for me. And volleyball was my other sport. And again, being, uh, being a five foot nine guy in the men's game is not a, a tall enough height for, to be an effective college player. So it was an easy decision after that. Would you encourage other young players to try out multiple different sports? Yeah, I just think that, I think it's fun, and I think that, I think what you're doing, because how many different sports do you play right now? Mm, three, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, and, like, you probably have, have friends in all of those different sports. Like, it, it, your three main ones are water skiing, wrestling, and soccer, right? Yep. Yep, and so, like, you probably have a million different friends in all those different sports that you would have never had the chance to meet if you didn't do those things, so... I think number one for a social aspect, just being able to meet as many different people as possible and to have those relationships as a young person is awesome because if you only play club soccer, you're going to be with the same 15, 16 kids your entire life. And you might not get to experience some amazing people outside of that sport. And so I would say number one for that, but two, like the things I talked about earlier, I really think that if you want them to stay happy and healthy and really just continue to enjoy the sport at a high level. And again, every person's different. There's kids that could play soccer 24-7, 365 for 10 years in a row and still love it as much as they did day one. I, I think Tiffany Weimer is like a perfect example of that. I think she has been playing soccer from like maybe since the womb and like has never gotten sick of it. And so there's definitely people that I think are anomalies like that, but I think it just allows you to really enjoy this like this this sport even more when you come back to it. So after your game against Knox College, which is just a few minutes away from you, I know you had an exchange with a player that you shared on social media. Could you talk a bit more about this? Yeah. So yeah, it was such a cool experience. I don't, I, I won't share her full name, but her name was Katie, and I had, like, I had known Katie a little bit. I'd gotten to Monmouth really late, and the previous coach was recruiting her a little bit, recruiting her a lot. She's a phenomenal. I mean, she was a first team all conference goalkeeper and I, I reached out to her, but she had already kind of decided that Knox was the place for her. So I was just like, Oh, well, best of luck there. And so when we got to this game, which had been her senior year game, um, we ended up beating them in penalties and Katie's phenomenal. I mean, she ended up getting first team all conference. Um, it was just an absolutely incredible goalkeeper. And I got a text that it was on that Monday of her just saying like, Hey coach, like, your team battled really well, and uh, it was such it's such fun matchups going up against you guys. I best of luck in the NCAA tournament. I was so taken aback by it because, if we're being honest, I don't know at 22 years old if I would have had the emotional maturity to be able to take the hardest loss of my career possibly, and three days later be able to reach out to the coach of the team that had beaten us and have to just 
humility to to say something like that. I was honestly, I was almost like brought to tears by it. It was incredible. And I mean, and it just like, it really talks to your, the exact name of your podcast, the, the beautiful game. It's just, I mean, that's, that's what it is. I mean, we battled and obviously like I, I want to win. She wants to win everyone and everyone that we play wants to win every single game, but to be able to step away from it a few days later and just really be able to just have like a, a ton of respect for the people that you go up against. I really think that that's what it should be, no matter what level you're playing at. How did her words of encouragement help you and your team? I mean, just for us, it's, it's, it, Knox has been for us the they're they're the 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 totem. I mean, they were the top of the totem pole for the last three years. They've won three regular season conference or four regular season conference titles and three tournaments uh, before this year. They won the regular season this year, and so we've been always trying to get them. And I, I think when I first got here, there was almost like this animosity, like in the game. Like it was, it was I wouldn't say it was like dirty, but it was almost harder than it needed to be at times. And it's kind of like in the last two, three years really changed to just be a really good, hard, competitive rivalry. And it, but not like to the point where it, after the game, you can't go up to the person across from you and shake their hand. And so for me, it's just all, all, I mean, the main thing it did for me was just show one, how they're doing things over there. And it's just incredible. But just that, I, I think as people, as adults now, we always look at the next generation and this has been going on forever where it's like all oh, the next generation is the worst generation ever generation period and it's like people have been saying that since like friggin' like the the middle ages you know but i think it just really shows that there are some incredible incredible people coming through i uh, just as soccer players as people and the next generation is going to be just fine i think it's that's that's all it showed me is like man this kid has more maturity than I ever had at her age and I think I turned out okay so I gotta imagine she's gonna turn out even better have you always wanted to coach collegiately I I honestly like no um I, I wouldn't have even I didn't even consider coaching I uh until I got asked to be the assistant at the high school I and honestly I think the only reason I got asked to be the assistant was the head coach was a friend of mine he actually coaches out of college right now and I think he, like, I'm kind of, I was kind of like the coach's pet. Like if I, if the coach said to like, go pick up the cones, I was like always the one jogging to pick up cones. If they asked someone to help put stuff away, I was always one of the first people to do that. And so I think the, my buddy, I think he just thought, saw a great way to like have a minion to do all of his dirty work for him. And so I think for me, it was, it honestly, that really opened my eyes to just how fun it was. And it was funny. My uh, fiance's dad is uh, a reverend and he did a uh, wedding the other day with some of the players that I coached growing up and just hearing their parents talk about the memories from the season and stuff and, and just how big of an impact that we had. It just, like, I, I never knew I wanted to do that until I had the experience doing that. And then at 19 years old, that's when I, I remember walking into my coach's office the, maybe a month later after we got done with our season. And I said, how do I do what you do? How do I become a college coach? And he kind of really did just an amazing job of helping me take the next steps in that journey. And I now I've been, I have, it's crazy. I'm 32 years old. I've been coaching for 13 years now, which doesn't seem real. You know, it's, I mean, that's almost half my life at this point, which is absolutely nuts. Did coaching help your playing level? Yeah. And I, and I was going to ask you this, because I know you've coached a little bit too. Like, Hey, have you noticed like you've become a better player since you've had to help other people like, like with coaching them? Mm -hmm. I've noticed I've become I've become way more technical and watched like 
every video I watch, I can notice like what I'm doing, what I'm doing wrong. And also like refereeing too. Like it really helps like knowing what I can get away with and what I can't. <laughs> yep. No, and like I'm sure even from a goalkeeping perspective, because like obviously you see everything from the back going mm -hmm. forward, but to like when you're coaching, you're on the side sometimes, or you might be standing in the middle of the drill and just the different perspective you might get from being in those spots, I got to imagine has just been awesome for your development as a player. But yeah, no, I absolutely, it, it was, it was crazy. My, the year after we did that was probably the best year I had as a college player. And it was just, I just, it, it's all the stuff you talked about. You just, you see the game in a different way. And I was always a center mid, but having to learn how to teach the back line made me realize like, okay, well, when they're getting the ball here, what are they seeing? And so I got the center mid, like just the pockets I was able to find after coaching that I didn't really notice or realize before coaching was immense. And like, same thing with the forwards, like how to be dynamic in the final third, things that I really wasn't good at before. I was able to just see different angles and different passes and how to get in behind maybe in ways that I didn't know before. And it's, I, I think like they talk about, it's that quote where like you remember, I think it's like, 10% of what you read, 20% of what you hear, and then like 75% of what you teach to others. And so when you're, when you're teaching someone else something, you're going to remember it better. And absolutely, it makes you a better player. I wish every player had the opportunity to go and coach a younger group like you are right now, because I just think our level as like a country would just increase significantly because when you have to know it and that in depth of a level, it, it, you just become so much better at implementing it yourself. I know Loris has produced a few coaches over the years. What about the envi that environment has supported people going on to coach? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it goes back to a lot and why I think we even need more women in coaching too. I think that for us, because right away, there were always coaches, like before I even got there, there were people that were graduating and becoming coaches. So when you saw it as a possible you look at it and you're like, man, this is something that I can really do. And that's where I think we, like, a, like not to go off on a tangent too bad, but, like, we need more and more females in the game because sometimes I don't even, like, when I talk to young soccer players all the time who are female, they're like, oh, have you ever thought about coaching? So many of them haven't even ever considered it a possibility because I think they've had men's coaches their entire lives that they don't even know it's a, a real possibility. And so for us, I think the reason that environment produces so many coaches is – we've seen so many go before us and do it. I mean, there was like, I, like right now, I mean, I think there's like in the last 10 years, I want to say there's like 15 people around the country that are coaching college soccer that graduated from Loris. Like I could play a schedule, like my non-conference schedule. I think I could fill with almost two thirds of Loris, like division three women's head coaches. Like I could fill like six games with just those people, which is absolutely insane. But I, I think, again, it goes back to, like, we saw it as a possibility because others had done it before us, and that really just made us believe that it was a possibility for ourselves. What else do you think we can do to help get more women coaches? Again, I just think talking to them about it because I, I truly believe that we just don't have the conversation enough. I don't think that we're approaching, especially the ones that would be so good at it, because there are – a lot of people, like everyone in every different males, females, Division One to Division Three, all have different aspirations. Some people want to go to college and they want to immediately go into nursing or they want to immediately go into engineering. But there's all there's that group of people that don't really necessarily know. Maybe they want to teach. They want to 
work with children. They want to do things like that, but they don't know the path to, to follow where what they enjoy doing matches up with how they can make money doing that. And so I really just encourage them to get to more events. I think it was uh, Just Nash is doing an unbelievable job with uh, Rush Wisconsin where they have like a player mentorship program where last year at the women's soccer, Wisconsin Women's Soccer Symposium, Jess brought two of her players to the event to listen to coaches talk amongst hundreds of other coaches. And I think like for them just to have that experience to realize, man, there's a ton of females out here. There's other, a ton of coaches out here that are doing exactly what I think I could be able to be good at, I think is just a really good next step. We just have to let them know that it's a possibility and show them how to get to that path by taking them to the convention, taking them to the symposium, taking them to practices, involving them is in coaching as early as possible to see like, man, this is a lot of fun. Like I have players right now, one of them worked a camp up at Wisconsin last year, who's actually thinking about coaching now because she worked a camp up at University of Wisconsin-Madison and saw how much fun it was to work with the young girls that we worked with up there. And now she's like, man, maybe that's what I want to do forever. And it's, it's cool for me because I've never had a player, male or female, after me that went on to coaching. And maybe that's just something I'm not doing a good enough job of. But it's cool that we have more and more that are actually considering it going forward. Do you think a good coach has to also be a good player? No, but it's weird. I think for it, I think this is a weird uh, gender description discrepancy for whatever reason. I think that for females, I don't think they care if their coach could kick a soccer ball two feet. Like I, I have seen some coaches that definitely are not demonstrating the drills, but are winning national championships. So on the female side, for whatever reason, on the men's side, I feel like the male brain needs to see the guy that or girl that's coaching them to be really men or women coaching them to be really successful it like as a player to be able to do it but no I don't I definitely don't think you need to be a phenomenal player like Brad Stevens who's one of my favorite coaches in the NBA coached at Butler for a while was a division three men's basketball player now he's coaching at the Boston Celtics and that's not to say division three men's basketball players aren't phenomenal players but they're definitely probably not at the level that most of the NBA players are and so for, for him to be able to like take those steps. And there's stories like that all the time where players like didn't even really have great playing backgrounds and turned into just absolutely phenomenal coaches. And so I really don't think it's a huge, I, I don't think it hurts to be a good player, but I also don't think it immediately makes you a good coach either if you were a good player. From what I can tell, you really enjoyed your season this year. I'm sure there were a few minutes where you felt like things could have gone differently. How does positivity help you and your team? Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's one of those things where we've been growing for a while. I think when when we took over the team back in 2016, me and my assistant Katie, it, it, was, it was kind of in a weird spot. They weren't that successful. And also, like, the work rate and the attitudes, there were a ton of kids that had it, but there was also, like, a small group that didn't. For us, it was just trying to find – the ways to get the players to be just incredibly individually motivated and excited about the game. And so for us, it was a really, it was kind of cool to finally see it culminate in winning the winning conference this year, because we we've been working hard to get just that mentality to this point to know that it's possible. Like for example, Knox, who we beat in the final, my first year, they beat a seven. So it's come to be able to go to their place and, and win that game is, is really cool. But to be honest, it, it, it comes from the fact that they're just good 
people. I got to talk to um, the Warford coach, Tiffany Pins, is one of my good friends, and we always just talk about how we want to raise, we want to, we want to coach good humans. You know, you want to want to coach people that are just good human beings because then it makes it easier. And one of my captains we got after we lost in the NCAA's, they always do an interview with the coach and a few players just to talk about the game and. She, they asked her about the season. She's like, honestly, it was just this year was fun because we all really like each other, and it's not that we don't get after each other, like, but we really like each other, and I think that that makes a huge difference. Is it important for a team to have a good community and atmosphere with each other? Yeah, I mean, again, you have to be able to. Not everyone on the team has to be best friends. I I think it helps sometimes. I don't think it. I don't think it hurts, but you definitely don't have to be best friends with everyone on your team to have a successful team. But I think community is a great way to put it. I think if you have just a a ton of respect and empathy and care for each other, that's the most important thing that you can have as a team is just understanding like that. You need to sometimes put yourselves in the, the shoes of your teammates to understand where they're coming from and why they may be having a bad practice or why they might be having a difficult day because so often it's there, there's so much more underneath the surface. And if you're not able to have that empathy, you're not able to have that compassion for the people on your team. It's, you're really just, you're, you're not doing it the right way. And when push comes to shove in a difficult situation, I don't think you're going to be able to push through it. And so again, like having a good family environment, having a good community environment where it's just, you truly trust, respect and care for each other, regardless of whether you're meeting, hanging out, always with each other off the field that's the most important thing is just have that care and just but again compassion for the other people on your team so it seems like you and your team joke around and quite a bit <laughs> yeah i love it yeah do you like to recruit people that are funny or do they learn the humor and culture once they're on campus i think it's a combination i always joke with people like i i have players on my team i always joke about that are horrible in the recruiting process that were like the most boring people to talk to ever and then when they get here, you can't get them to shut up. And so I think it's a combination. I think any coach that, like, you're, you're going to end up recruiting a ton of players that are like you um, in, in a lot of ways. Just because when you're going through the recruiting process, you're going to just, you're going to gel with certain people more than others. And they're going to they're gonna come to your, your place, like, and they're going to meet the players on your team. They're going to sit down with you and your assistant coaches and, they're just going to come for them because it's going to feel familiar and comfortable. And so I would say a lot of them have unbelievable personalities like before we make them. But I think that again, when you have an environment where like I like to laugh and I love to joke around and play pranks and stuff. So like when they're, they'll know, like, for example, like when they like the last pool workout that we had this year, they know if like they throw me in the pool, I'm not going to be like making them run laps and stuff like that. I can, I can, I, I can give as well as I can take. And so I think it's just, it's fun because if you create an environment where your players are able to have fun around you, but also know when it's time to be serious and to, to turn it on a little bit, I think it's, it's just fun. It, it, like it, we, we do this and I sometimes think that we take ourselves too seriously and forget that so much of this is about it, creating a, a, a group of memories that your players will have for the rest of their lives. I, I talk about that all the time. Like when I was, a player like all I want to do as a coach is give people the same memories that I had where I look back and like I'm getting married in a year and a half and so many of my teammates are going to be in my wedding so many are 
or of my former players are going to be at my wedding. And it's just, you, I want to give everyone those experiences that I was able to have because, and if it's not fun, you're not going to have those. I don't think, I think if you're like, if you, if you just constantly are upset or angry or don't get to laugh at yourself every once in a while, it's just not going to be that fun to hang out. I would be bored. Maybe other coaches can do it. Maybe other teams can do it, but I know personally, I would definitely be bored. What is the best joke or prank you've seen one of the players pull off? Oh gosh. I mean, throwing me in the pool was pretty good. Cause like I, I haven't, I don't remember the last time I got tossed in a pool. Um, like they will constantly, like one of them, she would Snapchat me like doing like dumb stuff while I was coaching and then showed me all those videos later. So that was, that was pretty funny because like you never like, I don't know. I'm so unaware sometimes when I'm coaching of like what I'm doing. Like I, I'm so focused on the game or the, the practice or what I'm doing. And so like, I don't realize what my hands are doing and stuff like that. So that was a pretty good one. Ah, oh, God, what other ones have they done? Um, oh, one of my, my goalkeeper always will move stuff in my office. So like one day she came in and literally everything in my office, and I have a lot of things in my office were turned upside down. So that was, that was probably one of the better ones too. I, there's a good, there's a few good. Ones. I wish I, I wish I could remember more right now, but like there's definitely, I would say throwing me in the pool was probably the number one one. I was definitely not expecting that. And I didn't have a change of clothes, so that didn't help either. It was, it was like 30 degrees outside, and I didn't have a change of clothes. So, like, my froze, like, my clothes, like, froze as I was walking out to the car, which was super comfortable. I, I, I think I took, like, a shower for, like, 30 minutes trying to get warm after that. I know you call the team the boys. They seem to like it, too. How did, the, <laughs> how did this start, and do you have any, any other funny inside jokes? Yeah, so... That one was actually pretty funny. So I watch way too much professional soccer, and I like I'm a huge Liverpool fan. Who everyone who follows me on social media obviously knows. And so, for me, when I first started, I, I, I like I'll scream at the TV because I'm not really a huge yeller as a coach. I don't like I'm not a big like I don't scream at the referees. I don't really yell at our players a lot. I, I kind of like to let them play, especially once we get to the games. And so I kind of used my yelling at Liverpool players as a release. And so. I'll always scream at the TV, like, come on, boys, let's go. And uh, we were in, the, like, the second game of the year this year. We were in a really intense moment, and I just slipped. I got one of our players, like, it was, like, a good tackle or whatever, and I, I screamed, like, come on, boys, let's go. And, like, the uh, whole bench just bursted out laughing. And so they, like, they just took it. And, they, and, again, I think that that's a huge credit to them and kind of how we've created an environment of just, they like I, I feel like there's certain teams that might like maybe get offended by that and I mean, our team didn't they really just they knew it was just me like just kind of being an idiot and uh they they loved it they took it and they put hashtag the boys on pretty much every single social media thing and like by the end of the season there's a there's this old song called by I forget who it got I don't remember it is but it's called the boys are back in town and so like in the locker room before almost every single game we were playing the boys are back in town and so they, they really seem to enjoy that. I think other inside jokes, like they'll change my lineup. So I'll write the lineup up before the game and go do all my stuff. And so like they look at it and they, everyone knows who's starting anyway, but they'll like change the lineup. Like they'll like, they'll like do like subtle, they'll put like former players in, they'll like switch people's positions. They'll like put nicknames by the people that are in the games. Like, and so like, that's another one that they always try to pull on me. Um, and then, they also like they they decorate my office so like they'll they'll always like like i have streamers everywhere in my office just because like every once in a while they'll just kind of come and decorate my office and then yeah, i don't know, just like yeah there's stuff like that we they they're they're i always call them idiots like we they're we 
they they always joke that if I haven't called them an idiot in in like a, at least a day or two, that they probably know that I I'm not in a good mood. So when I'm calling them idiots, it's like my way of saying like, all right, we're doing okay today. How important is it for a team to have fun, relax, and just enjoy the game? Yeah, I think every team is different. Um, I've been on teams where going into every single practice and every single game in order to perform at their best, they have to be very laser focused. The 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 warm up has to be very structured and focused. Everything else has to be very structured and focused. And and then I've also been on teams where like the warm up has to be incredibly loose. They have to be able to joke around with each other and really just have a ton of fun smile. And our team at Mammoth is just we're definitely more the team that needs to be really loose. Um, we're smiling, laughing, joking in the warmups. Like that's when we're at our best. Um, like there was halftime of our first conference game, which was zero zero at halftime. And going out to the second half, we had one of our captains who's our leading scorer ended up wearing one of the practice pen or one of the pennies. Cause you have to wear a penny on the bench to denote yourself from the field players. And she like actually wore it out on the field. And then, she went, she was, she like laughed and all the teammates were making fun of her, like joking around. And then, so she took it off and then like she ran out on the field and then she went to the wrong position. And so like everyone starts making fun of her again. And like, and this isn't a really important game. And in the next seven minutes, she'd scored two goals and we ended up winning that game 2-0. And like, you can see so many incidents of that this year where like we, again, even though we lost to St. Thomas, like every reasonable person probably would have thought that we would lose that game by, three or four goals. I mean, they're an elite eight team. We're a first time team in the NCAA tournament. And one of our players made a video of just like what the warm up looked like, what the bus ride over looked like. And it was just, they were laughing, joking, dancing. And I think, I mean, we, again, St. Thomas was better than us, but we battled them, ended up like making it a really interesting one Oh game. And I like for us, I think it's for us, it's important. I don't think it's, I don't think there's a universal way to, be a successful team. I think some people have to be very laser focused all the time. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think you have to figure out what is best for your team. And I think, I think again, when it comes down to it, I'm pretty, I'm pretty laid back and I joke a lot and I laugh a lot and smile during warmups and stuff. And so I think, it, I think the, the players that we have, I think that's a, a good environment for them because it's, it just, it makes them feel that they're no matter what happens at the end of the day, it's we're, we're still going to be all right. Can you tell me a little bit about the pool workouts and what you kind of do? Because this is something I've never really thought of until I've seen some of the pictures and heard you talk about them a little bit. Yeah, so we, I would say we do them like maybe once a week. We don't do them a ton, but again, you know, with uh, I'm sure you've seen on social media and everything and all the times we talk about how much overload that we put on players in terms of we like we play 18 games. We end up playing 21 games in three months this year. So you're playing a game almost every every two or three, four days. And it's just way too many soccer games. And so for us, we kind of use it as a way to just for load management. I don't think you need to be playing soccer seven days a week to become a better soccer player. And so we always NCAA mandates us get one day off a week. And so for us, we normally practice five days a week in the beginning of the year and then try to use one of those days as a pool workout or maybe a lift or recovery session because it just, it takes load off their legs. They're not, it just makes them less likely to get injured. But I think for us too, they, we use it because it's fun. I know I everyone, I don't care what age you are. I mean, you, you obviously are still into water skiing and doing all that mm -hmm. stuff. And the, the water's fun, you know, being able to jump and round and 
splash people and joke around, I think is a ton of fun. So it's another positive I think we get out of it is it's just a way to remind ourselves that, hey, this is fun. You know, we get to do this. We're choosing to do this every single day. And so, yeah, when we go in there, we do a ton of just like dynamic stuff, like anything that you do in a normal warm up outside, like high knees, opening, closing the gate, swinging across your body, stretching. We do that type of stuff, but in a pool. So there's less gravity on it. So there's, there's, you're not going to put any additional fatigue on your legs. But I think, again, a ton of the reason that we do it, I think it's really fun for them to, it, it allows it not to feel like a job sometimes. As a podcaster, I know you've talked to some remarkable coaches. Who are some of your most memorable coaches? Yeah, no, that gosh, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's crazy, and I'm sure you're experiencing this too. Some of the people that have the best stories are the people that you would never expect. Um, obviously, one of my favorites is I, I've been such a huge fan for a long time. So getting to talk to Becky Burley was such a cool experience for me because I've been following her for a really long time and all the stuff that she does. And I listen to all of her talks. I just think she's phenomenal. Um, like Kirk Brazo has a, has a young child that has a very rare skin disease that like it causes him to like his skin is so sensitive that he's, like, he's always bleeding and like, and really it's, it's a difficult life. And so like to watch how he is able to stay so positive while working with his son and his wife and coaching and all that, like that's, that's an incredible story. I also love the, uh, like all the stories of people that start from places you would never expect and come to have just unbelievable jobs. I mean, I mean, we, again, we've gotten to speak with so many just incredible human beings. I've never, I've never met someone on our podcast that we talked to that like, I wouldn't give a big hug to the next time I saw him. I'm a pretty big hugger anyway, so that's probably not a huge stamp of approval, but like, they're just all very, very awesome people. What about you? Like who's, who's been like your, your favorite so far? I know you've, you, the cool thing for you, I think, is you've gotten to develop a good relationship with Addy and Tiff. But, like, who, who are some of the ones that you had a ton of fun talking to? I had a really fun, a lot of fun talking to Christina Uncle, which was my first one, so I was a little more, like, nervous. I think if I would talk to her now, it would be a lot more laid back, and I'd enjoy it a lot more. Well, that would, be, that would have to have been a cool one for you just because you're kind of, are you, like, are you thinking about pursuing, ref- she's referee, right? Yeah. Yep. Are you like, is that what you're kind of thinking about, like trying to pursue long term or is like, do you not know yet? I think I'm going to try and rep for as long as I can. My dad and I joke that I'll, I could make it pretty far, but we're not sure yet. Oh, I mean, that, that would be so sick. If you're, if, if, if like in, well, how old are you now? 14, 15? 14. 14. I like, if we're, if we're looking at like the 2034 World Cup or 2033 World Cup, and you're and you're refereeing out there. I'll be able to be like, yeah, that that girl interviewed me once on her podcast. I think that should be your goal, so I can I can brag about you a little bit and be like, yeah, like I got I got I was on her podcast back in the day. Okay, I'll work just so you can, <laughs> just so you can say that. <laughs> and that'll be good. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how have you liked the podcasting thing? Like, is it been like what's your favorite parts of it have been? Um, I really like just like knowing a lot of people because now with the podcast, I like. I could list off a bunch of people that I know I can call up with any questions I could possibly have. Yeah, absolutely the same. Mm-hmm. Like the, the amount of people that you get, like now when I go to, if I would have went to convention like three years ago, I would have probably like sat in the corner and just taken notes and done really just the normal generic thing. And now like, it's really cool when you get to go now. I met you last year there and your mm-hmm. dad, obviously. And it's cool now because anywhere I go, like, I feel like there's, 
50 more people that I know just because of being able to do things like this. And now when I go to convention too, from this podcast, I know I'll know a few more people from like Twitter and especially from your soccer chats on Wednesday nights. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm so excited that you got on podcast row. Like we're going to be like a hop and a skip away from each other the entire way. Like it'll be, it'll be so much fun to like be close to you guys and be able to like see like what kind of guests you guys are getting and stuff too. Like that'll be so much fun. So this year you had a Jamaican national cross player on your team. What was it yeah. like to help her balance the responsibilities she had between schoolwork, the international competitions, and soccer? Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, because, like, you don't see that a ton at the Division three level. So, I was, I mean, I was probably as brutally unprepared as you could possibly be to deal with. But it was it was really, I mean, KJ is just an unbelievable human being. I, I, I was, she was part of my first recruiting class back in 2016. And so, I've obviously gotten to know her better than almost every other player that I've had just because I've had so much time with her. And back in, it would have been, I don't know, I think it was like late May, she told me that she had gotten a call up and was like, ironically, she's like, hey, if we end up winning conference tournament, there's a Jamaican national like tournament. She's like, I don't know what to do. And I remember I immediately told her, I was like, you, you have to go to that. Like, I go, I don't care if we're making a national tournament or not. Like, obviously I care about our team, but like, how often do you get to put your country's colors on and compete? Like, it just does I mean, I'm never going to do it, you know, like opportunity that that had is absolutely unbelievable and so for her I mean she's a captain for us and it, there was nothing that ever made me hesitant about giving her her taking that opportunity and so for her just I think a lot of it was just like you said learning how to balance everything is crazy because she still had to get some stick work in she still had to obviously play and compete she ended up getting offensive player of the year for us in the conference this year and so for her it was just a lot of extra work and communication and just trying to find ways I did it like we just did a lot of things in practice where like if we knew she had done a little bit extra work with with the cross that day and some stick work we'd we'd do a little bit less with her put her as neutral like pretty much the entire season just to decrease the chances of her um having an injury and things like that obviously both for us for soccer but also for that chance too so yeah I mean again she's such an incredible person I think that it's I mean, it, it, it's cool to be able to be a part of that journey, but it, I didn't do anything. I mean, it's, it's all her that has really done this and kept a good GPA and balanced both those, get offensive player of the year. And then she ended up getting player of the game for two of the four games she was at at the tournament. And so, I mean, it, like we were, it was crazy. We were driving up to St. Thomas and like all of our girls had her game on live stream, like watching her play. And that's just cool. Like you don't, you like, you don't get, especially as a division three sport, you don't really get to see people competing on, the international stage very often, especially people that the very next week you're going to be hanging out with again. So that, that was pretty cool for all of us. And we've made it to the final question. So this is a question I ask everyone. What do you hope people remember about your impact to soccer and the world? I always joke with people. I want to be um, like, I, like there's, I, I always forget. It's like six or four degrees of Kevin Bacon where like, every single person like every single movie like actor actress you can like connect between three people and you can find kevin bacon and i was joking with my fiance the other day i was like i want to be that like i want to be the person that is out there helping as many people as possible and almost being like just a, a person in between if i can of just a, the bigger network i can have and just connect more and more people like that's why we really started soccer chat that's sean's vision was to just branch out and connect to as many people who wanted to be in an environment and 
grow as a coach, grow as a human to each other. And so it's been cool for us just to see the amount of people that have like gotten to meet other coaches, gotten jobs from that experience. And I mean, for me, I'd love to continue to grow that and eventually be the, one of the people that is, is just a, a helping hand to anyone who needs someone to talk to. And because then if I, if I, the more people I meet, the more people I know how they are as humans, what their areas of expertise are. And if I can help the next group of people coming up or even people that are already there to just meet the right person. I like, there's that old adage, like, I don't always, I don't have all the answers. I, I'm still, I always joke. I'm still such an idiot. I'm still such an adolescent as a coach sometimes, but for, if I can keep learning and keep connecting people to people that will help them learn, I think that's probably the best impact that I can have because I'm not suddenly becoming the, the U.S. men's or women's national team coach. I'm probably not going to go coach at Liverpool, but if I can be that person that can connect as many people as possible, I think that would be a great legacy to leave when people think about me. Thank you so much to Coach Rizzo. It was such a great time talking to him. I'm so thankful that he took the time to talk to me, especially because this was pretty last minute because it's almost Christmas. I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. And hopefully I'll have another podcast next week wishing you a Happy New Year. But I could be different. Also, as you may be able to tell, I've come down with a bit of a cold. I have joined wrestling. And when someone gets sick in the wrestling room, everyone else gets sick too. So thank you for bearing through my not-so-great voice today. And until I see you next week, remember to keep the game beautiful. Beautiful.